0: chapter 15 of the queen's necklace by alexandre dumas the translator is unknown this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by gail Timmerman vaughn chapter 15 the cardinal de rouran the next evening jeanne not discouraged renewed all her preparations of the night before and on this occasion she had no time to grow impatient for at 7 o'clock a carriage drove up to the door from which a gentleman got out at the sound of the doorbell jeanne's heart beat so loud that you might almost have heard it however she composed herself as well as she could and in a few minutes cotilde opened the door and announced the person who had written the day before let him come in said jeanne and a gentleman dressed in silk and velvet and with a lofty carriage entered the room jeanne made a step forward and said to whom have i the honour of speaking i am the cardinal de rohan he replied at which madame de la motte feigning to be overwhelmed with the honour Curtsied as though he were a king. Then she advanced an armchair for him and placed herself in another. The cardinal laid his hat on the table, and looking at Jeanne began, It is then true, mademoiselle, madame, interrupted. Jeanne, pardon me, I forget. My husband is called de la Motte, Monseigneur. Oh, yes, a gendarme, is he not? Yes, sir. And you, madame, are a Valois. I am, monseigneur. A great name, said the cardinal, but rare, believed extinct not extinct, sir, since I bear it, and as I have a brother, baron de Valois. Recognized? That has nothing to do with it. Recognized or unrecognized, rich or poor, he is still baron de Valois. Madame, explain to me this descent. It interests me. I love heraldry. Jeanne repeated all that the reader already knows. The cardinal listened and looked. He did not believe either her story or her merit, but she was poor and pretty. So that, he said carelessly, when she had finished, you have really been unfortunate. I do not complain, Monseigneur. Indeed, I had heard a most exaggerated account of the difficulties of your position. This lodging is commodious and well-furnished. For a grisette, no doubt, replied Jeanne. What, do you call these rooms fit for a grisette? I do not think you can call them fit for a princess, replied Jeanne. And are you a princess, he said, in an ironical tone. I was born a Valois, Monseigneur, as you were a Rouen," said Jeanne with so much dignity that he felt a little touched by it madame said he i forget that my first words should have been an apology i wrote to you that i would come yesterday but i had to go to versailles to assist at the reception of m de Suffren. monseigneur does me too much honor in remembering me to-day and my husband will more than ever regret the exile to which poverty compels him since it prevents him from sharing this favor with me you live alone madame asked the cardinal absolutely alone I should be out of place in all society but that from which my poverty debars me. The genealogists do not contest your claim? No, but what good does it do me? Madame, continued the Cardinal, I shall be glad to know in what I can serve you. In nothing, Monseigneur, she said. How, in nothing? Pray be frank. I cannot be more frank than I am. You were complaining just now. Certainly I complain. Well, then? Well, then, Monseigneur, I see that you wish to bestow charity on me. Oh, Madame yes i have taken charity but i will do so no more i have borne great humiliation madame you are wrong there is no humiliation in misfortune not even with the name i bear would you beg Monsieur de Rouen? I do not speak of myself said he with an embarrassment mingled with hauteur. monseigneur i only know two ways of begging in a carriage or at a church door in velvet or in rags well just now i did not expect the honor of this visit i thought you had forgotten me "'Oh, you knew, then, that it was I who wrote? "'Were not your arms on the seal? "'However, you feigned not to know me, "'because you did not do me the honour to announce yourself. "'This pride pleases me,' said the cardinal. "'I had then,' continued Jeanne, "'despairing of seeing you take in the revolution, "'of throwing off all this flimsy parade "'which covers my real poverty, "'and of going in rags, like other mendicants, "'to beg my bread from the passers-by. "'You are not at the end of your resources, I trust, madame.' "'Jeanne did not reply.' you have some property, even if it be mortgaged? Some family jewels? This, for example. And he pointed to a box with which the delicate fingers of the lady had been playing. A singular box, upon my word. Will you permit me to look? Oh, a portrait, he continued, with a look of great surprise. Do you know the original of this portrait? asked Jeanne. It is that of Maria Theresa. Of Maria Theresa? Yes, the Empress of Austria. Really? Are you sure, Monseigneur? "'Where did you get it?' he asked. "'From a lady who came the day before yesterday.' "'To see you?' "'Yes.' The cardinal examined the box with minute attention. "'There were two ladies,' continued Jeanne. "'And one of them gave you this box,' he said, with evident suspicion. "'No, she dropped it here.' The cardinal remained thoughtful for some time, and then he said, "'What was the name of this lady? I beg pardon for being inquisitive.' "'Indeed, it is a somewhat strange question. Indiscreet, perhaps, but not strange.' Yes, very strange, for if I had known her name, I should have returned it long before this. Then you do not know who she is. I only know she is the head of some charitable house. In Paris? No, in Versailles. From Versailles, the head of a charitable house. Monseigneur, I accept charity from ladies. That does not so much humiliate a poor woman. And this lady who had heard of my wants left a hundred louis on my table when she went away. A hundred louis, said the cardinal in surprise then fearing to offend he added i am not astonished madame that they should give you such a sum you merit on the contrary all the solicitude of charitable people and your name makes it a duty to help you it is only the title of the sister of charity that surprised me they are not in the habit of giving such donations could you describe this lady to me not easily sir how so since she came here yes but probably did not wish to be recognized for she hid her face as much as possible in her hood and was besides enveloped in furs. Well, but you saw something. My impressions were that she had blue eyes, and a small mouth, though the lips were rather thick, tall or short, of middle height. Her hands, perfect. Her throat, long and slender. Her expression, severe and noble. But you perhaps know this lady, Monseigneur. Why should you think so, madame? From the manner in which you question me, besides, there is sympathy between the doers of good works. No, madame, I do not know her but sir if you had some suspicion how should i oh from this portrait perhaps yes certainly the portrait said the cardinal rather uneasily well sir this portrait you still believe to be that of maria theresa i believe so certainly then you think that you have received a visit from some german lady who has founded one of these houses but it was evident that the cardinal doubted and he was pondering how this box which he had seen a hundred times in the hands of the queen came into the possession of this woman had the queen really been to see her if she had been was she indeed unknown to jeanne or if not why did she try to hide the knowledge from him if the queen had really been there it was no longer a poor woman he had to deal with but a princess succored by the queen who bestowed her gifts in person jeanne saw that the cardinal was thoughtful and even suspicious of her she felt uneasy and knew not what to say at last however he broke the silence by saying and the other lady oh i could see her perfectly She is tall and beautiful, with a determined expression and a brilliant complexion. And the other lady did not give her name? Yes, once, but her Christian name. What was that? André. André, repeated the cardinal with a start. This name put an end to all his doubts. It was known that the Queen had gone to Paris on that day with Mademoiselle de Taverney. It was evident also that Jeanne had no intention of deceiving him. She was telling him all she knew. Still, he would try one more proof. Countess, he said, one thing astonishes me, that you have not addressed yourself to the king. But, sir, I have sent him twenty petitions. Without result? Yes. Well, then, the princes of the blood. Monsieur le Duc d'Orléans is charitable, and often likes to do what the king refuses. I have tried him equally fruitlessly. That astonishes me. Oh, when one is poor and not supported by any one. There is still the Comte d'Artois sometimes dissipated men do more generous actions than charitable ones it is the same story with him but the princesses the aunts of the king madame elizabeth particularly would refuse assistance to no one it is true monseigneur her royal highness to whom i wrote promised to receive me but i know not why after having received my husband i could never get any more notice from her it is strange certainly said the Cardinal. then as if the thought had just struck him he cried "Ah, mon dieu "'We are forgetting the person to whom you should have addressed yourself, first of all. "'Whom do you mean?' "'To the dispenser of all favours. "'She who never refuses help where it is deserved. "'To the Queen. "'Have you seen her?' "'Non,' answered Jeanne. "'You have never presented your petition to the Queen?' "'Never. "'You have not tried to obtain an audience of her?' "'I have tried, but failed. "'Have you tried to throw yourself in her way, that she might remark you?' "'No, monseigneur. "'But that is very strange.' I have only been twice to Versailles, and then saw but two persons there. One was Dr. Louis, who had attended my poor father at the Hôtel Dieu, and the other was M. le Baron de Taverny, to whom I had an introduction. What did M. de Taverny say to you? He might have brought you to the Queen. He told me that I was very foolish to bring forward as a claim to the benevolence of the King a relationship which would be sure to displease him, as nobody likes poor relations. I recognized the egotistical and rude old Baron well continued he i will conduct you myself to versailles and will open the doors for you oh monseigneur how good you are cried jeanne overwhelmed with joy the cardinal approached her and said it is impossible but that before long all must interest themselves in you alas monseigneur said jeanne with a sigh do you think so i am sure of it i fear you flatter me she said looking earnestly at him for she could hardly believe in his sudden change of manner he had been so cold and suspicious at first this look had no small effect on the cardinal. He began to think he had never met a woman prettier or more attractive. Ah, ma foi, he said to himself, with the eternally scheming spirit of a man used to diplomacy. It would be too extraordinary and too fortunate if I have met at once an honest woman with the attractions of a scheming one, and found in this poverty an able coadjutress to my desires. Monseigneur, the silence you keep every now and then disquiets me. Why so, countess, because a man like you only fails in politeness to two kinds of women. Mon dieu, countess, you frighten me. What are you about to say? And he took her hand. I repeat it, said she, with women that you love too much, or with women whom you do not esteem enough to be polite to. Countess, you make me blush. Have I then failed in politeness towards you? Rather so, monseigneur, and yet you cannot love me too much, and I have given you no cause to despise me. Oh, countess, you speak as if you were angry with me no monseigneur you have not yet merited my anger and i never will madame from this day in which i have had the pleasure of making your acquaintance my solicitude for you will not cease oh sir do not speak to me of your protection oh mon dieu i should humiliate myself not you in mentioning such a thing and he pressed her hand which he continued to hold to his lips she tried to withdraw it but he said only politeness madame and she let it remain to know she said that i shall occupy a place however small in the mind of a man so eminent and so busy would console me for a year let us hope the consolation will last longer than that countess well perhaps so monseigneur i have confidence in you because i feel that you are capable of appreciating a mind like mine adventurous brave and pure in spite of my poverty and of the enemies which my position has made me your eminence will i am sure discover all the good that is in me, and be indulgent to all the rest. "'We are then warm friends, madame,' and he advanced towards her, but his arms were a little more extended than the occasion required. She avoided him and said, laughing, "'It must be a friendship among three, cardinal.' "'Among three? Doubtless, for there exists an exile, a poor gendarme, who is called Monsieur de la Motte. "'Oh, countess, what a deplorably good memory you have. I must speak to you of him that you may not forget him.' "'Do you know why I do not speak of him, countess?' No, pray tell me, because he will speak enough for himself. Husbands never let themselves be forgotten. We shall hear that Monsieur le Comte de la Motte found it good, or found it bad, that the Cardinal de Rouen came to three or four times a week to visit his wife. Ah, but will you come so often, Monseigneur? Without that, where would be our friendship? Four times. I should have said six or seven. Jeanne laughed. I should not indeed wonder, in that case, if people did talk of it. Oh, but we can easily prevent them. How? quite easily. The people know me. Certainly, monseigneur. But you, they have the misfortune not to know. Well, therefore, if you would. What, sir? Come out instead of me. Come to your hotel, monseigneur. You would go to see a minister. Oh, a minister is not a man. You are adorable, countess, but I did not speak of my hotel. I have a house. Oh, a petite maison? No, a house of yours. A house of mine, cardinal. Indeed, I did not know it. Tomorrow at ten o'clock you shall have the address. The countess blushed, the cardinal took her hand again, and imprinted another kiss upon it, at once bold, respectful, and tender. They then bowed to each other. Light, Monseigneur, down, said the countess, and he went away. Well, thought she, I have made a great step in the world. Come, said the cardinal to himself as he drove off, I think I have killed two birds with one stone. This woman has too much talent not to catch the queen as she has caught me. End of chapter 15